Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on an incredible episode, what I think will be an incredible episode of So Have You Seen? I am your host, Noel Cruz. As always, I thank you for joining me. I thank you for giving me your time and taking a listen. This has been one hell of a weekend, and I'm excited for so many reasons. Um, first and foremost, uh, we had an election this past week, and we have been, or better said, we have elected, because we weren't given anything. We went out there, we made our voices heard, we changed what we thought needed to be changed. And and needless to say, I, I am extremely proud of my country. And we voted a new president into office. It was historical on many levels. So to those of you who did your civic duty and voted, God bless you. You know, well done to those of you who your candidate lost. I honestly feel that we should just get over this shit and move forward together. Cause at the end of the day, that's the only way we're going to do it. So it was a very uh, emotional weekend. A lot of people happy. And here we are, you know, it's a new day. Now, the reason why I'm even more excited than this past election is because I have my third special guest on my show. I've had up to this point, a handful of people, but this this person is extremely near and dear to my heart. Uh, he is someone who I actually had the blessing of witnessing his birth. I had the blessing of being there the first day he came into the world. And I've had incredible conversations with him. And I treasure the moments that he was a kid and he would call me and he would say, Theo, is it true that you know, Spider-Man could do this and Spider-Man fought this person. Is it true that there's a Spider-Man movie coming out? Because one of his favorite heroes, if I'm not mistaken, probably his all-time. I know his daughter is madly in love with him. It's none other than the kid from Brooklyn, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. So this is a superhero showcase to the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And I am honored to introduce you all to my beautiful nephew, Jimmy Luca. Jimmy, thank you, Papi, for your time and for your comments on what we were, what we affectionately return, refer to as the webhead. So welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I, I've supported, I, I thought this was a great idea from day one. You, you know, I've told you, we've talked about uh, I've been dying to be on and do something like this with you for a while, but I think this is the most fitting because of the fact that we'll, we'll get into it later, I'm sure, but Spider-Man, you, you hit it right on the head. You know me uh, <clears throat> a lot better than most is uh, my favorite hero of, of all time. And uh, I got into, I got into all of this, this whole, culture that we are both into be because of you and and through spider-man so i'm very ready i'm very excited for this episode i'm excited to have you man and like you said you know you you, you have been an incredible support system when I, I i initially gave you the idea you and and your cousin victor cruz who was instrumental in you know just getting me moving on this and you know he pushed me and you gave me insight on where i needed to go and what i needed to do and 
so on and so forth. So it has been priceless to me. And even though my, my setup is extremely modest, here we are. So we're going to kick it off and we're going to talk about Spider-Man. So as all of you have known from my previous episodes, Batman is my guy. My, my two immediate all-time favorites are Batman and then immediately followed by Superman. But where the Marvel Universe comes into play, Spider-Man is it for me. He's, he's my number one. And the reason why Spider-Man is my favorite is because despite his powers and despite his gifts, he is technically a kid at the very beginning. He's a kid. And as you read his comics, you see him evolve into a young man. He has real problems. He, he's not like Bruce Wayne. He doesn't have, you know, an exuberant amount of wealth. He's not Tony Stark. He's a struggling kid who has to help his aunt. You know, he lost his uncle. He suffered tragedy time and again. He's lost numerous people he loves in his life, from his uncle to his parents to his girlfriend. So he is the superhero that I could identify the most with because of his humanity, despite the fact that he is incredibly gifted and powerful. So just a quick rundown. Spider-Man was created in 1962. His first appearance is in a comic book called Amazing Fantasy number 15. And one of the things I want to discuss with James is that Spider-Man was created by Stan Lee. Stan Lee is like the Jehovah of Marvel Comics. He created the vast majority of heroes we know. But there's one man that really does not get a lot of credit, and his name is Steve Ditko. One of the reasons why he doesn't is because Steve Ditko, unlike Stan Lee, really didn't like the spotlight. He was a very reserved person. He was very quiet, conservative, and he just did his duties. But he was responsible for the Spider-Man we know, from his web-slingers to the costumes to vital characters. So what do you think about that, Jim? What do you think about Ditko's contribution? You, you said it best. He's, he's definitely um, more low-key. You can see that from, I mean, you can see that now with how much you don't see, uh, you don't see the genius that is Steve Ditko in the movies. You see Stan Lee's cameos and only Stan Lee's cameos. You see no one else's. Um, Steve Ditko because I guess because I'm such a big webhead, I know that he, he's very well known for his huge contribution to Spider-Man in general. But he also, if if you can help me out, um, other heroes in for Marvel, or was it just was is Spider-Man just as well known? No, he actually he he actually had a couple of other heroes that he helped create but there was a lot he actually did in the dc universe a lot of people don't really know that they think that spider-man was like his claim to fame but steve ditko was also responsible for other kind of how can i say um i don't want to say low-key but some other characters in the dc universe i think the question was one of them the question is a dc character he's like a how can i put it like a super hyper detective like even his detective skills rival batman but he has no face he wears like this faceless mask and he wears a a, a top hat and an overcoat that's blue if you ever saw the justice league cartoons like justice league unlimited and stuff like that he was a part of that he also studied with one of the batman artists named jerry robinson so he also had uh how do you say he also had his hands in the blue beetle which is another DC character. So he's kind of like Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby is an artist. Jack Kirby did 
a lot of Marvel stuff, but towards the end, he went to DC and he kind of gave his contribution to Batman and to Superman and so on. So Steve Ditko, again, it's just the fact that Spider-Man is his greatest thing to fame. He actually did a lot more than that. A lot more. Now, is there um, a genuine question that I never even thought to ask you over, over so many years? Um, was there ever... Cause, cause I, I, I look to you as like the my OG when it comes to comics and and just knowledge and and you, you grew up and you grew up through one of the greatest ages of of comic books. Was there ever yeah. any like, um, I guess beef for lack of a better word in, in the in the community of like oh you know because of the fact that Steve Dicko didn't like the spotlight as much was there ever any. You know, oh, why does Stan Lee get all the credit and and things like that among amongst the comic book community? To my knowledge, it was never, and even now, I don't think there's that much of, of a necessarily a beef. I just think it's they're very competitive. Mm -hmm. um, but no, me growing up as in the times that I started to read comics, and I, I I think it's safe to say that I started reading comics as early as. 19 i started looking at comics in about 1979 and i started reading them legitimately when i was about eight or nine so that's like 1983 84 but i don't remember animosity i remember there was always a huge respect uh towards writers and the thing is it's kind of like it's kind of like major league baseball even though if there's a rivalry like you know jimmy and i are huge yankee fans right <laughs> and it's a situation where you know you really couldn't have beef to a degree because let's say the, the Yankee-Boston rivalry. In 2004, which I like to call the year of darkness where the Yankees lost to the Red Sox, Johnny Damon was on that team, right? But at the same time, in 2009, Johnny Damon was on the New York Yankees and he helped us win a World Series. So that dynamic was kind of there. You didn't, you know, there wasn't beef. These gentlemen were very, very professionals. They were artists, they were pencilers, they were storyboard writers. So no, the, the beef like that was not, you know, not that heated. And like I said, getting back to Steve Ditko, he did Blue Beetle, he did The Question, he did a character called The Creeper, who was a version of like the Joker, but he's a bit more maniacal. He did Shade, he did Hawk and Dove. So he put characters into the DC universe when he spent his time there. And then he just faded into obscurity into, you know, being quiet, taking a quiet life. Wow. So it's, you know, to say the least, it's, it's funny when, when you do that history and you find these things out and it, it makes reading and looking at these comics all the more richer. So it started with that and the publication ran through and again, Stan Lee focused on Peter's, teenage years and then as the comics progressed he got a little older and one of the one of the most impactful moments what well, i do i do remember reading as a kid one of the most impactful moments that it hit me hard and i didn't expect it was reading the death of gwen stacy my brother my older brother victor had that comic and gwen stacy was peter's first girlfriend and her death was unbelievable to a lot of people. So there wasn't the internet back then. People would write to Marvel Comics and they got a lot of heat for it. They got a lot 
of heat for killing her off. I could only imagine because to not not to play you off, but from my understanding... No, no, please interject at any from, time. From, from, from my understanding, that was, if not the first, one of the very first times that Marvel's done anything that dark on a panel before, if I'm not mistaken. Just Correct. The way no, it was done. Correct. And it was it was kind of jarring the way it was done. You know, people didn't believe it because, you know, at that point, Superman had Lois Lane, Batman had Catwoman. So people were kind of positioning Gwen Stacy to be like his Lois Lane. So to kill her off out of left field, you're like, what just happened? You know, it was it was kind of akin to seeing Avengers Infinity War part one. Absolutely. Or seeing, I'm sorry, not seeing part one, but Avengers Infinity War at the end, you're like, yo, what just yeah. happened? And you have to wait. And she stayed and that, that up until And that, that was point. huge back then because I say back then as if I was alive, but like just even even reading um in, in the comic book collection that I that I had, I had both I had the, the pleasure of having part one and two and and you as mm-hmm. you know people listening who are comic book collectors you know like that's not depending on when you get it it's never uh cheap but just i remember even reading those like just even like i I will reread them so many times and and i would sit there and think like back then you didn't have um movies and shows that did or even comic books that did bold moves like that shows like um the walking dead or game of thrones and and shows like that and even movies like you said with infinity war these these um these shows and movies they they didn't and and comic books they didn't make bold moves like that like they do so easily now that still surprises so back then i'm sure reading that back then was was absolutely absolutely Absolutely. It was, for lack of better words, it was jarring. There was a lot of disbelief because also the way they wrote her out, they, you, you invested in her because it, it, you know, Peter had lost Uncle Ben. He's having a hard time with Spider-Man. You know, there are moments that he wins and there are moments that he loses. You know, he has these powers and all of a sudden, as in every comic book, when a superhero develops his powers, all of a sudden the threats come into play. So now he has to face the Green Goblin. And shortly thereafter, Dr. Octopus followed. And then somebody who was his professor and he loved, you know, he loved and respected, uh, what's his name? Dr. Kurt Connors becomes mm-hmm. the lizard. So he's just facing conflict after conflict after conflict. And like I said, most of the times he won, other times he lost. He had to keep his secret identity from Aunt May. So it's amazing how Peter didn't have anxiety. I'm sure he did, but you know, if you read it, it it's what moves you. That's why the writing was brilliant. So, when Gwen came in, you're like happy for him. It's like your best friend getting a girl. You're like, yo, you're my boy Pete got a girl. <laughs> you know, she's a cutie, man. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Her name is Gwen. She's mad cool. And then six months later, she dies. It it affected you in that way. So a fictional character in that sense was very real. So that was one of the most iconic things that happened in the history of comic books. So the comic book lines went. The storylines went forward, and then Peter, I'm sorry, Spider-Man, I talked, like, I know him, he lives down the block, Peter, the hell is that (laughs) shit? Spider-Man would come into the world of animation, and the first animated series, which I have a strong, strong affection for, is what they call Spider-Man 66, which had that 
classic theme that Spider-Man, Spider-Man, you know, that jazzy Uncle, I, got, I have to unprofessionally cut you off to ask you to ask no, you it's quite right. before, to fact check something before we head into the next because the, the, I'm, I'm excited about this next segment. Let's do it. The, there, I was watching one day. They were breaking down. Um, I, I was watching Comic Book Man, and they were breaking down one, two of my favorite issues. You just touched on the night Gwen Stacy died, and mm-hmm. Kevin Smith mm-hmm. had touched on the fact that there was. It was later discovered, and I don't know if it's the same thing or it's another storyline, but it always bugged me that it was later discovered mm-hmm. that. Norman Osborne and Gwen Stacy had something going on before that happened. That's very interesting. Have you ever read that or heard of that? You know, I have not. But if I'm not mistaken, I believe that that storyline came much later. later. Much later. I'm talking as probably as recent as maybe five years ago, five or six years ago, four or five years ago. I'm not sure. So yeah, they kind of, they kind of re, I don't, I don't know if it's reimagined, but they did something in a way that they kind of took that and gave it a twist for the sake of uh, how things already were. I hope it's just a reimagining and and it doesn't just add to what happened because that's already tragic, tragic. Correct. 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 So I think that it was probably done just to make her loss more profound and just to give him uh, a greater rivalry with Norman Osborn. But I did, I uh, to be completely honest with you, I have not read it. I mm-hmm. did hear about it, but I never got a chance to like get into. There's a lot of graphic novels that have passed me by from Spider-Man that I have not read. And when I heard about that, that was one of the things that I was like, I got to make a mental note. And I got to jump I'm the same way, it. but maybe it's just way what? too fucked up for us to even want. Maybe subconsciously, <laughs> <laughs> subconsciously, yeah. like, yeah, I don't even want to read this. Yeah. Yeah. Because it kind of, in a way, it'll kind of, it, you know, it'll kind of spoil the Gwen Stacy's not image, you know, because, you know, shit happens. People have affairs. It is what it is. But just, she is so iconic now more than ever because what's being done with like the spider-verse and you know and everything else so that dynamic is interesting but i have i i do not know but now thank you for bringing this to light which is why i brought you on the show i can look into it as well as listeners if they're interested in like you know but let's see what happens going forward so with the animated shows you had spider-man 66 another show that was my show now this was my animated series it was called spider-man and his amazing friends and this was in the 1980s and this is actually on disney plus so if you guys want a cool kind of 80s spider-man cartoon if you want to see what that character was about during that time frame i highly recommend it you have a lot of cameos by the x-men captain america dr doom all his classic villains are lined up and that was my time that was 83 and i woke up every saturday morning like clockwork to watch that shit. So I highly recommend it. And then maybe you can help me on this one, James, because I re- I saw some of it, but I really didn't see it all the way through. It, it did have good points. I wasn't crazy about the animation. And the animation at this point was starting to change between 
traditional animation and and CGI, and it was the 1990s Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, there was a. You're right about the animation. I think the the 90s in general. When you look back at, I mean, there's some gems in there, but it's the same thing with like 90s movies and the same as 90s animation. It was uh, the animation wasn't all that, but the show, uh, to me anyway, and and even looking back was phenomenal. I mean, I remember, um. My 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 grandmother, who who you know, is amazing amazing woman. She had she had a thing for just surprising me with VHS tapes and two VHS tapes that she surprised me with. One was um, it was like a I think both of them were like two or three parters on the VHS, but it was one was a Venom storyline and the other one was a Green Goblin one, and I was obsessed. Like this this uh this cartoon uh back then triggered like so many drawings that my family still to this day you know they they say oh you you were gifted and realistically i look at them and i'm like oh i could do better but it, it i was just so obsessed like it, it was such a it was, it was a show that resonated with me so much that i i literally spent hours just starting to draw like my own you know quote-unquote comics and yeah I don't know if you can also That's find that one is. on Disney Plus. I, I was shocked to hear you say that you could find Spider Man, uh, the the eighties uh, one on Disney Plus. Absolutely, yeah. They have like they have about six or seven wow. Spider Man shows. Yeah. So when you get a chance, and for those of you guys listening who are Spider Man fans, they have even Spider Woman. They did a nineteen eighties cartoon for Spider Woman, which was, I mean, it wasn't great, but this was before the Spider-Man cartoon came out. So this was like, a, you know, it hyped you up. And Spider-Woman had a very similar feel to the Wonder Woman TV show from the 70s. That animation, in my opinion, was a lot better, as was the animation for Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends. But definitely go to Disney Plus because all the animated films are there. Now, transitioning back to the comic storylines. So, Peter, the storylines continued... You know, you had a lot of monumental things that happened. But one thing primarily was an artist who took over Peter. And primarily the storylines, but more importantly, the artwork. Because this man completely redefined how Spider-Man looked. Particularly when he swang and his poses. Those iconic poses that you see now. In the Tom Holland films, in the Tobey Maguire films, the poses when he would land, that is all in part to a man by the name of Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane, his art, his Spider-Man artwork to me personally is the pinnacle of Spider-Man art. It's oh, 100%. Absolute and I think, if I'm not mistaken, you can definitely check me on this, is, is I mean, that's around the time that he took over, I don't think... I don't think Venom would look the same or as badass because of the fact that McFarlane took over right before they introduced Venom. Absolutely right. And if I am not mistaken, I believe Venom was the creation of or the co-creation of Todd McFarlane because in the storylines that I kind of stepped over, my apologies for that, but during the 80s storylines... There was Marvel's first, I believe this was the first event. So this was the first big thing that happened. It was a 12-part series. 
And the storyline was called Secret Wars. Now, this was the first time in the history of comic books, in the modern history of comic books, and in the 1980s, that every single major player, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, the Avengers, Hulk, Daredevil, if you were part of that universe, you were affected by this event. This was before, in, this was before uh, the Infinity Gauntlet, which are the films we now know as Infinity War and Endgame. So this was the first one. A lot of monumental changes happened in this book, but the one that stands out was when Peter got the symbiote suit. That he was fighting on a planet, because there's this being, just a quick rundown, there's a being called the Beyonder, who wanted to bring, to see the greatest warriors, the greatest warriors kind of like battle amongst each other. And as they're going to different planets, they encounter aliens that are hostile and so on and so forth. So Peter kind of gets his ass handed to him. He puts up a good fight, but you know his costume is torn. He's hurt. And he is confronted or he comes across this black liquid that moves. It's alive. You know, it's, it's this shiny black liquid that's animated. And when he touches it, the minute he comes in contact, that liquid now completely covers him and embraces him so it's a it's a it works in symbiosis so this alien goo when it in attaching itself to him enhanced the the things he is so he became stronger he became faster he no longer needed web shooters which is something i love about peter because it shows you his brain it shows you the scientist in him but here, he would never deplete his web because it was organic. It shot out of his body, which is a little controversial in the Spider-Man movies later, <laughs> but we'll get to that. So he gets this black suit. They start a whole other series called Web of Spider-Man that focuses solely on the black suit and how the black suit becomes aggressive with him. It starts changing him. It starts bringing out you know, like I said earlier, it brings out the best in you, but it also brings out the worst in you. So if you're angry, you're pissed. If you're, if you're, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, if you're kind of obnoxious, you're, you're an arrogant prick. So changes began to occur to Peter. and He started to see that he wasn't becoming himself when he wore this suit, despite how good he felt. It was becoming borderline like an addiction to wear it. And he had to and, break and away from it. Not to put you off, but one of, one of, one of my no, favorite, please. all-time favorite, like Spider-Man storylines that I that I read, and I, I every time I, I have this like, um, this habit of like selling and then recollecting and selling. Every time I buy back comics, I always make sure I get my hands on uh, a storyline called Craven's Last Hunt. It is, oh my God! I cannot. That's my number I, one, I mean, man. I'm dying. There's there's been some. There's there's been a lot of. We'll touch on video games later, but there's been a couple instances where they bring Craven into the video games and stuff. They need, they absolutely need to have something as marvelous as Craven's Last Hunt in the movies. But that, when I think of black suit Spider Man, aside from the obvious, you know, Venom is anything with Venom is a given, but Craven's Last Hunt was such a good storyline that I definitely recommend the listeners to read if they haven't. 100%. In Web of Spider Man, 
I believe that was the f- the first time they brought Craven into the modern storytelling because Craven was yeah, around yeah, a little earlier, but they cut. They kind of gave him a much needed like update, and he was an incredibly difficult foe that Spider Man encountered. So now Spider Man is dealing with Craven the Hunter, who's trying to kill Peter, and at the same time he's dealing with a suit that's beginning to cause him conflict. He, in desperation of trying to avoid the suit, it's like he was trying to shake off a psychotic, a psychotic ex-girlfriend because this thing would just show up, you know, jump on him, you know, change his way of thinking, make him irrational. It was people began to notice a change. So I did think he did it mistaken, ever make him dance in the street it. in any panel ever? Just to just to clarify, <laughs> we're gonna get to that. I promise you. <laughs> We're going to get to that, I promise you. But in the comics, as far as I remember, he went, if I'm not mistaken, to Reed Richards, who is Mr. Fantastic, the stretchy guy from the Fantastic Four, and he asked for his help. He bought a sample to Reed Richards, and Reed Richards told him, he said, this this thing reacts hypersensitive to noise. Like if you ring a bell or a high-pitched noise, it, it, it goes into a convulsion. And that's the way Peter was able to get it off him. It almost cost him his life, but this thing got off his body and then proceeded to find somebody who had a similar hatred to Peter, and that would be somebody named Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock was a journalist and a photographer at Danny Planet. Something happened that either Peter got a story or he gave a photo that cost Eddie his job. So now Eddie saw Peter as a contrary as a as a as an enemy and he developed a hatred for him venom sought eddie out jumped on him and venom was born the comics between venom and spider-man going at it are things of magic if you haven't read them please look them up venom is now more of an anti-hero he's not so much of a villain anymore and they made a film about him, but we'll move on to that. So after McFarlane's work, the most notable <laughs> iconic thing that would happen, of course, was the Spider-Man film trilogy by Sam Raimi. How old were you when the first one came out, Baba? I think the first one came out in 2002. So I was born in 93. I'm terrible at math. Um, I was so nine. nine. I, was, I was, this movie was so magical that I was notorious for falling asleep because parents in new york for some reason took you to like the nine or ten o'clock showing <laughs> and i was notorious for falling yeah. asleep but i did not fall asleep through this movie um the, the very first sam raimi spider-man movie everything from there was when i was young when i went when when I, I remember when when i was that young i thought it was great and then you told me that you know one of the things that which you said you were going to touch on I thought everything in that movie was amazing. Even, you know, now there's some things that I can pick at, like the the web shooting, um, which as a kid, you were yeah. the one I remember to tell me, just like everything else you've told me, that Spider-Man actually creates his own web shooters. And that, you know, it, it did, it's, it still to this day makes, it does, you know, upset me because of the fact that you have to, you can't just do Spider-Man without Peter. Which those I think those movies they they do Peter extremely well, minus the fact that they took away how smart he is to where he can create his own web shooters. They didn't have to make it that these these webs shot out of his body, and it was a little lazy, but um, 
other than that, I think mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how you received the movie when it first came out versus how you do now. But that was probably my only problem with that very first one. The first one I absolutely loved. My biggest issue with it, the web shooters, I said, well, maybe in time they'll give him kind of shooters to control or condense the amount of web that he shoots or or if he has like liquid nitrogen and then he shoots web, it'll freeze it or whatever the case. So there was, to me, there was room for improvement. What I did not like was the costume choice for the Green Goblin, but I thought William Dafoe oh, was. was phenomenal. I thought that if you look around, if you guys Google on the internet and you look at Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Goblin makeup test, there was an alternative version of the Green Goblin that they were going to use that was much oh, yeah. more I didn't, You know, I did not see that. I did not see that comic until, uh, I think it was Complex posted it on Instagram. Man. I was I was blown away. Yeah. I, I was actually like, damn, this is the one yeah. they should have used. Correct. So the first Spider-Man film, I loved it. We finally got to see Spider-Man on the big screen for the first time ever. It was done in a TV movie that was terrible, but it was budget constraints and it was back in the 70s. Like he would he would wall crawl, but you could you could clearly see the string that's pulling him up. Mm-hmm. Clearly. And I think it he would attack like he would shoot web, then he would attach it to a belt, then he would go up a wall. I'm like, that's not Spider-Man. But it was, they did the best they could for the time. So when I saw Spider-Man 1, I think I saw it in the theater about five times when it came out. I was absolutely obsessed. I thought it was a great film. And again, you got to see Spider-Man in a movie. So where they did well there, they completely and, and just totally blew everything out of the water with my personal favorite Spider-Man film, Same. Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 with Dr. Octopus. First of all, Alfred Molina was a very refreshing villain because he wasn't... And I understand that William Dafoe had to be psychotic. He kind of pushed the envelope a little bit. It was a little campy at times. But Alfred Molina as, as Otto Octavius just fucking hit it out of the park. He really did. I loved the, the arms. I love that each arm had a different design. They weren't all identical, so they did different things. The storyline was great. The music was great. The, the the animation was well, not the animation, but the CG to make Peter move look better. And the story was great because this this really focused on Peter having trouble as Spider Man to such a degree, he began to kind of lose his powers. And that was very telling because it goes to show you that he needed to be on his game. He needed to be healthy. He needed to be strong in order to have his powers. So that first scene where he goes to shoot and he had a breakup with Mary Jane or an argument, and then Webb doesn't come out and he comes plummeting to the earth and he falls on top of a building. I was oh, laughing. My back still had me rolling still to this day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that to me, that Spider-Man film, and then towards at the end of that film to this day, Till this day, the end of that film where Mary Jane is standing at the doorway and perfect <laughs> sirens are going by because that's exactly what happens in the movie. Yeah. Talk about fucking timing. God is clearly listening to this podcast. So she's standing in his doorway after he goes through so much in this movie. And she tells him, I've always been here. I've always been at your door. Don't you think you deserve to be saved? Because she knows now what he's gone through. 
And they kiss, they finally kiss, and they're finally in love. And all of a sudden, as they're kissing, you could hear in the distance fire trucks and helicopters like there's an emergency. And that brilliant theme by Danny Elfman just picks up. Boom, 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 boom. And he looks over his shoulder and she's like, go get him, Tiger, which is an iconic line from the comic mm-hmm. book. Till this mm-hmm. day, that shit moves me. I li- And I absolutely I love it. You know, now, the... I will touch on the other movies later. There are other movies that that I have decided mm-hmm. after because I constantly rewatch these movies just as you do all the all of these movies. Mm-hmm. Spider Man Two, like still to date, is most definitely like I've come to realize over the years is is the perfect Spider Man movie to me. That movie does, yeah. The movie does no wrong. Um, yeah. There was so many things that I loved about it. Between you, you hit Alfred Molina as uh, as Doc Ock right on. You know, you hit it right on the head. Like from from how he was as a villain to the important stuff, like his relationship with Peter. I think there was so many things that they took straight out of the comics. The, the, there was the stuff brewing with with Harry that. You know, Alfred Molina, uh, Doc Ock, and and Harry Osborn ended up having um, the, the the connection that they had towards the end of the movie. Um, they took they took one of my favorite um, Spider Man storylines, Spider Man No More, and added it to that movie as well. And mo- just most importantly, you said yes, it best. Like that's the, right. The struggle to me, like that is the most. If this makes sense, like th- that is the most Spider Man movie still to date that i've ever seen that is the most peter parker that i have ever seen because peter parker he he's struggling nonstop, and and they they bring they bring it up later and and uh you know it's a it's a nice little like joke and and i guess easter egg in spider-verse where he says i i fall but i always get back up and that's the most important part and peter parker does that more than anyone i've seen in comics absolutely absolutely Absolutely. Now, unfortunately, the third entry to the to the Raimi trilogy was met with mixed reviews. Some people loved it, some people hated it. I'm kind of half in and half out with it. Um, Venom finally makes his cinematic debut, so you see the issues that Peter has with it. Now, it wasn't done because, of course, the Marvel Cinematic Universe did not exist yet. Disney did not own Marvel, so this is a very beginning. So they made it that the symbiote, the symbiote came from space. It was a little meteor that hit the ground. Peter was in the park with Mary Jane. And then it kind of jumped on Peter's bike and it followed him home. So that was a very easy fix. But there were, there were moments of brilliance. There were sparks of brilliance in it. It was awesome to see him in the suit. You see him more energetic, a lot stronger. To me, Did the you, absolute best thing about I'm that. Sorry. Did you find it underwhelming? I mean, mm-hmm. it's a stupid no, question, but I guess I remember us having a conversation about how under years ago, this just popped back into my head of we had a conversation of how mm-hmm. underwhelming the, the the way the symbiote arrived in the movie and and almost almost, you know, we, yeah, we kind of like agreed that they almost Sam Raimi almost like dropped the ball because I remember you as well as a lot of other people that I knew who who knew their shit. Um, it was, he kind of dropped the ball with, in the previous movie, I'm jumping around here in Spider-Man two, 
you had uh J. Jo- J., uh J. Jonah Jameson's son who was an astronaut, and you almost thought that part of the reason he was in that movie Correct. was maybe Correct. he would be the connection to you know to bring this Correct. back. Correct. Correct. As it was in the comics. So they pick and chose what they wanted to keep in the movies, but they, they yep. didn't do it the right way, which is incredibly confusing. So they went with Venom. Um, they went with Venom, and then they went with what I thought was one of the the absolutely greatest things in that movie. Oh, yeah. Sandman. I thought Sandman was grossly underrated, and the scene where he where the Sandman gets his powers and he tries to 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 I guess recomposite himself after the 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 experiment happens and his body dries out and becomes sand is almost balletic. It was done so gracefully and so mm-hmm. beautifully. It was done to music. And you yes. see him trying to take human form and he keeps collapsing. So it's like he has to focus in order to use his power. And as he does, it leads to like a Bankai scene, which is very quick, but it is one of the best I've ever seen. You see Sandman yep. do things like out of the comics. You see Peter punch right through him, which yes. is actually a cover, a comic book cover of when he fought Sandman. You see Sandman make a big ass fist and punch Peter back. So this is where they got aces across the board. But in the same movie, they <sighs> I don't know why yeah. they chose Topher Grace. No offense to Topher Grace. I think I think he's he's a good mm-hmm. actor. But he was the wrong choice for, for, for Venom. I did not like that they kind of left Venom in character as the full-figured Venom. I thought they they kind of clipped his part too much. If that's the case, then they should have left him for the next film because it's focused more on what the Black Suit did to Peter. It focused on Sandman. It focused on Peter's difficulties with Mary Jane. No, but then it didn't really showcase Venom the right way which later bought the movie Venom down the road. So that was the Spider-Man trilogy. Raimi was supposed to do a fourth one. Things didn't go as planned. What? Everybody kind of called it a day at that point. Everybody was tired. These movies take a while to produce and to do. So now they decided, I think it was five years down the road, to redo Spider-Man. And we got the Andrew Garfield films. You got two films. Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man. I remember you know, how excited I, you were. Originally, about going back real quick, I originally wasn't, and I remember. I don't know if you remember this. This was like when Facebook was was fresh, and I and you had sent me that this was in mm-hmm. uh, in production. You sent me the suit, and I was like, I don't know. And and you, you know, you you told me that this is another opportunity to another opportunity to get it right. And and I remember how excited you were about that suit and i saw it and i was like i don't know and this later you i as we know and ends up being if if not the first i do love the first but if not the first the second a lot of people who disagree with me ends up being one of my favorites but we'll get to that so correct so the first film was bold it was different they didn't you know you know they kind of redid the situation with his parents, they, you know, they show him losing Uncle Ben. He, I thought that Andrew Garfield, as much as I love Tobey Maguire, I preferred Andrew Garfield. I thought he played Peter a little different in a, in a, in a much lighter sense. He talked a lot of shit like <clears throat> Spider-Man does when he's, you know, I did, he's like, hey, yeah, whoa, I did think, you know, I did, I did, bad, um, and, and I guess this, 
I'm, I'm really not trying to be neutral here. This is just my honest opinion. Like, I do think that Andrew was a phenomenal, like, he was textbook Spider-Man, for sure, with the shit-talking and, and the wit and everything. Mm-hmm. I still think to to date, to- Toby was an amazing Peter, but if, I guess if you would have me, have me choose, I would definitely take the the better Spider-Man because of the fact that, especially in in Spider-Man Two, when he had the that whole package mm-hmm. with the suit, I mean, it, it was it was magic to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, you, the you, suit, the amazing the Spider-Man suit in general, and, Electro. And he had more wit in that one yeah. too. I mean, one hundred percent. This. The suit, the suit was one hundred percent accurate, as accurate as even more mm-hmm. so than the Tom yes. Holland version, in my opinion. It was comic book accurate. The big eyes, everything, the graphics of him web slinging were great. I enjoyed Jimmy Fox incredibly as Electro. I thought he did a great job. I liked the way they redefined Electro. They did, and and just to touch on this very quickly, they are oh, now I'm shooting Spider Man Three, yes. and he's in it. There's also it's so much. There's also a movie called Morbius, the Living Vampire with Jared Leto that will introduce Blade. But Morbius is also grounded in Spider-Man's universe. So you see a poster in that trailer of Peter Parker and it says uh, Spider-Man and it says wanted. And this is reflecting the events that happen in Far From Home. But we're going to get there because we have a little time left. So I want to make sure I touch on everything. But Andrew Garfield comes in. He does two films that progressively get better as they go along. It touches on the death of Gwen Stacy. And I will say this with zero reluctance. When her death was oh, yeah. addressed in Damn that it. film, I cried like a baby because you mm-hmm. felt Andrew Garfield's pain. You couldn't feel it in the comic In the comic you read it. He went, no, and you're confused. You're mm-hmm. more overcome by confusion than Peter's pain here. And this is where, where Garfield gets kudos across the board. You felt his pain. And leading up to that and scene, he was you broken. Know, the, the, the chemistry that Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone made sure that they had was Absolutely. Everything. Yes, man. It really was. It was so well mm. done. You believed that they loved each other. You, you just believed it. So when she died... To me, that's what this series of film just got oh, yeah. absolutely right. Moving forward, they were going to do a third one. Now Disney acquires Marvel, so now there's a prospect that they want to bring Spider-Man home. They literally want to bring him home where he belongs into the MCU. Sony pretty much lent the Spider-Man rights out to Disney and to Marvel so he could be included in this film. They never really handed him over which is something that is still going on to this day. But Spider-Man would be recasted by the brilliant Tom Holland, who to me is the the best mm-hmm. Spider-Man yep. because he is both Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Simultaneously, he gets it both ways. He The, the influence that Tony Stark has on him shines in, in Spider-Man Far From Home when he has to rebuild his suit. You see him kind of messing with Tony's uh, Tony's system and machine to add more web or do this or do that. So there was a spark of brilliance there. He was introduced in Civil War, which blew my fucking mind. And as many of you may have known already, because I've said it many times before, Civil War is my favorite Marvel movie of all time, even more so than Avengers 
Infinity War and Endgame, those movies kind of stand by themselves. But to me, Civil War is it. And their introduction so to Spider-Man there. I remember being think? in the movie theater and the scene where, you know, they're at, I forget, I can't think of it off the top of my head for Civil War being one of my favorite movies. They asked Tony, you know, they're, they're missing somebody. They need more people on their side. So Tony's like, I, I got a guy. And it cuts to Queens. And right then and there in the movie theater, I yep. just had goosebumps. And I'm like, this is it. This is the smoothest introduction. And the beautiful thing about Spider-Man is that to you know at this point th- this is a how this is a household name just how just the way you know that bat just how you don't need to see batman's origin story over and over again there's no need for i mean in my opinion there's no need for an uncle ben story all over again this is fine this is to introduce him i think it's more important that we finally get to see like you said spider-man come home than to see this whole introduction that we've seen so many times before i thought it was great It was to me. It was sheer brilliance. Just yes. the fact that Tony was kicking it to Aunt May. He's like, I've never seen somebody have such a young aunt. I'm like, Tony, you you beast, put your hands in your pocket, bro. And then he has this quick exchange with him in his room, you know, and he's showing him that you know I have video of you. This is you as Spider Man, right? And he's like, No, no, that's not me. And he's like, Yeah, I'm not sure about this suit. And he like Tony's busting his balls. Like, you can't lie to me. I know who you are. I need your help. You know, and it was even more impactful. This is why the MCU is hard to beat because you get that intro. He fights alongside Tony in civil war. The events of infinity war happens. Tony is devastated when he loses him. And then when they meet again in Endgame, he's like, wow, Mr. Stark, I don't know what happened. I blacked out. And then Dr. Strange is the, the circle thingy with his ring and Tony just hugs him. Mm-hmm. This is what you call investment. This is what you call, this is what you call, incredible writing this is how shit is done right so now tom holland is in the midst of shooting the sequel because you had spider-man homecoming which was like the film dedicated to his arrival into the mcu you get a cameo by tony stark you see where peter has again struggles where he does good but he also he can fail and and when he fails there are consequences to his failure they introduce michael keaton pardon my french motherfucking Batman into this film as the vulture and one of the most intense things I've ever seen in my life is that car exchange and that, where he tells him oh he knows who God. he is because he's taking that the vulture's daughter was, to a dance and and let me and oh man I, I remember that movie came out the plot twist about and and because Marvel can do this for days and and I don't think I haven't heard one comic book nerd geek however you want to label us be upset when when marvel does these these changes that they do i think people have accepted now that these have to happen to stun not only the people in the theater but the people in the theater who also read the the plot twist that liz allen's father was the vulture was to to date like still i watched that movie and i'm like i cannot believe they did this shit and he was brilliant and we'll t- we'll touch on it with with uh, f- with Far From Home, but I think that some of all Spider-Man movies laid out in front of me, some of the 
best Spider-Man villains that I've seen already have come from the Gar- from the uh, Tom Holland movies. And I don't know if you agree with that, but it started off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, and you know what? Because this is the first time ever, guys, and I'm, I, I can't I can't stop here because the clock is winding down. So we're going to we're going to do we're going to make this a two parter right now. You guys are witnessing history. My first ever two part podcast. So we're going to we're going to keep going with this one till the clock runs down. And Jim, you could give me another 30 minutes so no, we could, doing, because if we don't cover it. into the Spider-Verse, this wasn't worth time it. we do. I, this, this is important. <laughs> OK, so ladies and gentlemen, you guys are part of history with me and my beautiful nephew, who I fucking adore. We're going to do a two parter. So I hope you guys tune into part two, but we're going to keep going for now because we've got about eight minutes left on this episode. So Holland signs up for five films. He does Far From Home, which is fantastic. I'm sorry, he does Homecoming, which is excellent. He battles the vultures. You see his, his, you see his successes. You see his failures. They, they touch very quickly on other iconic spider villains, particularly um, Mm -hmm. Shocker, who has a very kind of subtle transition, like a very light step. There's also, I believe they they touch on Scorpion, because there's a guy who has a scorpion in his neck, because they they take a lot of the alien technology. They were the cleanup crew for the mess that was left in the first Avenger film. So they took all that. What, what, what was the, the, the race of warriors the, yeah, that the, came the, the, the Jadari or the Jakari, whatever it's called. And they took all of that alien tech. And this is why you get the shocker. And this is how the vulture was able to make wings that could stop mid flight and pull and him back. on that technology, technology side, it's alien the, technology. The, a scene in that movie that a lot of people including myself didn't even realize until being reminded in in uh, what what later comes out of Spider-Verse they they just smoothly threw Aaron Davis in Homecoming he was he was the he was one of the, he was in a he was in a deal gotcha. one of the, one of the uh when they were cuz they were taking these weapons and and dealing them in the streets and Aaron Davis who we know in the in the comics is Miles Morales's uncle, who's also, you know, he 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 lives a, a very crazy life. He's a criminal. Um, he was seen at, at one of those. That's uh, right. He, he was seen at I think the first uh, dealing of, of those of those weapons in the movie, and then later on in in the uh, a scene in a parking lot where Peters interrogate him as Spider Man. Aaron Davis tells him, you know, you you don't ca- mm-hmm. I didn't catch it so later, but he says. I don't want those weapons out in the street. My, I got a nephew who lives here, and I was just like, man, they, they, they just the way they do this shit, like you said, Marvel, it is incredible. Yep. And it's it's hard to Donald see. Glover, what's his, yes, his name, he's the, brilliant. The singer Glover. Yep. What's the actor's name? He played Donald Glover. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. He had that cameo, and and it was done for all the right reasons. And you know, Peter getting used to the suit that Tony made for him. You know, you oh know, yeah, uh, going to kill mode. His eyes turn red, and these fucking spikes pop yeah. out. He's like, no, 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 not not kill mode, not kill mode, not attack mode. So it's 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 hilarious to see, and what they did also with Mary Jane's character. In, in the comics, traditionally, Mary Jane was a model. She was really beautiful. She was 
you know, like the, the girl next door, you know, the girl that everybody wanted in this series, she's a lot more progressive. Mm-hmm. She's smarter. She's Peter's intellectual equal. It's almost she's, like, it's almost like, you know, she's just a girl, a, man. She's a, chilling. It's almost like I'm know? getting like a mixture of like Mary Jane and, and Gwen Stacy in one. Yes, yes, yes. I could not agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. So that being said, what else can we touch on before we go into the next episode? Let me see here. So Far From Home takes place. Oh, what did my you think God. About I was so happy. To me, that was... The spider drones were there. I don't care what anybody says. I'm 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 taking it as this, and I'm and I hope that an interview comes out later that confirms it. Uh, to me, the spider drones were their versions of spider slayers, and I and I remember hitting you up about this. You know, one of the biggest things we were talking yes. about in that movie was to which to me is is like if you ask me to pick the best on screen Spider Man villain was Mysterio. Aside from that. A very slept on and incredible thing for yeah. Spider Spider Man fans across the world, to me, was the Spider Drones because to me that was that was their way of bringing in Spider Slayers, which were a, always a huge part of the Spider Man comics, games. I mean, you name it. Mm. Absolutely. So, guys, here's what we're gonna do: we're running down the wire. So this is gonna be part one of a two part episode. So we're going to stop here, but when we come back, we're going to pick up on Far From Home again, because in Far From Home, what they did with Mysterio was brilliant, but what was even more brilliant was the fact that they used a word that is now going to change everything moving forward. They addressed something that is called the multiverse, which is why I have to give at least another 30 minutes to an animated film that is called Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So guys, we're wrapping up this episode, but remember, this is a one of a two-parter. So make sure you follow up. We're going we're gonna to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to get right. into it. So Wonderful. Jimmy, I'm going to see you in a couple of minutes, all right? All right, guys.